How's it going, guys? It is Wednesday, September 11th. Today on the podcast, Nick Newman, head of product for Casanode, joins me to discuss Casanode, Keymaster, and SatsApp, a couple other projects that they are very excited about. We go into quite a bit of technical detail, so if you aren't familiar with Casanode, Keymaster, or SatsApp, definitely listen to this podcast more than once. As always, be sure to subscribe if you have not already, I'm sure you have, and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain. Enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. So to start it off, why don't you tell the audience what your role is at Casa Node so they can get familiar with you. So my name is Nick and um, I'm the head of product at Casa, which basically means that I am um, overseeing all of our products and making sure that uh, everything we build takes into account what the, our customers are are wanting and um, just trying to make the the best possible product for for uh, our users as possible. Um, and so I, I get to work with our engineers and our designers um, and see kind of across the organization how the the products are evolving and um, make sure that everything is going uh, according to how we, have planned it to. And so it, I get to work with a great team that is extremely talented. So I'm super lucky in that respect. How long have you been there? Yeah. So I've been with Casa um, a little over a year and a half now. Uh, Casa was started in its current form a couple years ago, and um, I was the sixth person to join. And so since then, we've grown um, significantly and it's been we've added a lot of awesome team members and that that's been really great to, to see and be part of. Very cool. So I, I know a lot of people are familiar with the, the Casa node itself. They've seen it on social media. They've seen it on online quite a bit and it's a very interesting product that you guys have. Can you kind of explain like what it is and how it works? Sure. So the original idea behind the Casa node was that um, running a full node on uh, the Bitcoin network and on the Lightning network are parts of Bitcoin that are crucial to its um, core principles. And we saw that really to, to run a full Bitcoin or Lightning node, you needed to have some sort of technical expertise so that you could um, use the command line and mess with all the various configurations that are needed to get it set up properly. And so we saw that there was a large um, group of people that weren't technical, but really wanted to help support Bitcoin. And so um, really the idea for the Casa node was to give people an easy plug and play way that they can be running a Bitcoin node and a lightning node um, to support both of those networks. And the, the benefit of that, um, in addition to just supporting the networks, was that it was really the first um, very easy to use user interface for the Lightning Network. Um, and so before that, it was really purely just command line um, usage for running a Lightning node and making Lightning payments. And so this brought the Lightning Network to a lot of people who previously were really interested in it, but didn't have access to it. 
so that that was the main idea behind the node and um, it's been really cool to see the different types of people that have bought a node and that use it and give us great feedback um, i think we've really had a an awesome community build up around the casa node that, that we're super excited about and thankful for yeah there's definitely a community that's starting to build up around it and the whole lightning network feature is really cool too because that's also got quite a large following um, and definitely presents all kinds of opportunities for bitcoin with the casa node since it's a full node correct yeah it is it's a it's a full bitcoin node and a full lightning node Okay. So because it's a full node, does it need to be running constantly or is it something you just plug in when you want to use it? Yeah. So it does need to be running constantly. And and that was a big consideration with the hardware that we chose for the node and the form factor of it. Um, we wanted it to be something that was low power. So it didn't take a lot of uh, electricity usage to be running um, and is small enough to just be um, tucked away kind of in maybe a shelf on your office or on your desk. Um, but it does need to be running all the time because um, basically it's always constantly processing Bitcoin blocks and then mm -hmm. updates to the Lightning Network. And so um, this was a, a big, this was a big problem with um, the light running a Lightning node before because it needed to be online all the time. And so there were a few apps that were out there and, and trying to uh, give people a way to access the lightning network but because of the nature of a mobile phone um, it's not online all the time you know when it's asleep in your pocket it can't be online and processing lightning network uh, updates and transactions and so for example you couldn't you couldn't ever receive funds because you needed to be online to receive funds. And so in order to get around that, these mobile apps would say, well, you can, you can send funds because we know you're taking an action, you're online sending those funds, but you can't receive them because you have to be online to receive it. So with the Casa node, we gave people an easy way to have this device be online all the time and not really sucking up a lot of their attention, but they're still able to take full advantage of all the features of, of Lightning. Right. Makes sense. Does it run any slower since it's a full node or is it pretty responsive? No, I mean, the it's actually uh, from the Bitcoin side, it's very low resources um, to be running a full node. You know, it, it initially uses a lot of resources as it's syncing the chain. Um, but once it gets up to the current um, tip of the chain, it really just needs to process one block every 10 minutes or so. And so that's pretty low overhead. Um, on the lightning side, there's a little bit more overhead in terms of computing power that it has to use because it's keeping track of updates with the peers that you're connected to and um, the general, what's called the graph of the Lightning Network, which is essentially a map of all of the nodes on the Lightning Network. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a little bit more there that it, it has to keep track of. But in general, the fact that it's a full node really doesn't affect it significantly over if it was a um, like a light client SPV wallet or something that was using 
that somebody was using over Bitcoin. Right. Gotcha. And another interesting uh, thought that I had when I was um, kind of reviewing Costano before coming on the podcast, and I know a few other people are kind of taking a look at doing similar stuff as well, but with the Lightning Network, it, it feels like you could like have your Costa node running and then the software pull up and then within the software have different lightning network channels that go to different retailers or online gaming or, or whatever that allow you to like directly purchase like through Costa node. Is that something that you guys have considered at some point or that you got a direction you guys might go? Yeah. So it, at this point, it's really up to the users who they want to open channels with. Um, the idea of the Lightning Network is that basically anybody can open up a, a payment channel with any other node, and that allows them to instantly pay that person directly, or they can route a payment through that person, and it'll do what's called hopping through different nodes in the network to get to the um, end person that they're trying to pay. So for example, we have a we have the Casa store which we set up to allow people to um, test out making payments and buy little things like stickers or um, you know like some Satoshi dice, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, what people can do is they can open a channel directly with our store or they can attempt to route through the network and they just go to our website and they'll um, you know, decide what they want to buy, just like any normal e-commerce website, and we'll give them a lightning invoice, which they can pay with their node. And then that payment can, if they are sufficiently connected to the network, um, that payment can be confirmed instantly. And uh, then they're, they're finished just like they would be with the credit card. Whereas with maybe a Bitcoin transaction, they would have to wait 10, 20 minutes in order for it to the transaction to get confirmed. And so um, that's something that we've we've set up. And I know that there's some other stores out there like Blockstream has a store. Um, there's some online gaming sites, like you said, like there's a Lightning Roulette site. There's mm -hmm. um, there's quite a few businesses that have popped up that are still seem kind of like toys, but they really show you where the future could go with the lightning network. And it's totally up to our users if they want to connect with those people and take advantage of, of their services. Um, and so that's something that we've really tried to give people the choice around doing, um, but it's totally possible. Is that something that the user would set up or that the user would like have to request to have set up? So like if a certain retailer was allowing you to buy pizza through the Lightning Network, um, would the user have to set that up through Casa Node or would they have to like, or a group of users submit that to Casa Node if they wanted to go like through your guys' platform? Like what, what would be the process beyond that? Yeah, so it's it's completely doable without... Um, without going through any sort of approval with CASA in any way. Um, so there is actually a, a great site, which maybe you're referring to called ln.pizza, and mm. they let you buy Domino's pizza through the Lightning Network. Um, and so essentially what a user would do in order to uh, do that 
to buy pizza through them, they would, they, they have two options. The first option is they can open a channel from their node directly to the LN pizza node. And so LN pizza has on their site, you can go on there and, um, find a connection code from them that they have pretty prominently displayed on their, on their site. And all you do is copy that code and then paste it into, uh, your Casa node when in the open channel, um, form. And so then they will, what that does is it sends a on-chain Bitcoin transaction, which deposits, uh, whatever amount of funds that the user, um, chose when they were opening the channel and once that transaction is confirmed they'll have an open channel with lightning pizza and then they can use that channel to pay them for pizza whenever they want so it's totally up to each individual who they want to open channels with in order to make payments um, and they don't have to go through through casa in any way it's it's fully supported in the ui okay very cool yeah there's a lot of potential around lightning network as you probably know as well and it's very exciting to see all the different partnerships that come out of that and all the things that people are putting together whether it's retailers or users yeah and the the interesting thing with the with the lightning network is just that like a lot of what the network's success relies on is a lot of individuals running lightning nodes because the more individuals that are running lightning nodes the more likely you are to be able to successfully route a payment without being directly connected to somebody. Right. Um, and so like the, the network itself will not succeed in my opinion, if everybody has to open a direct channel with every single person that they're paying, it really is, is based on the fact that kind of the six degrees of separation, like after you get a certain number of channels open to other nodes that are well connected, you should be able to pay anybody in the network because you can find a route through my connection, going to your connection, going to your friend's connection, which then goes to the very end person that you're actually trying to pay. And so with Casa nodes, we think that giving people a really easy way to get a node up and running is one of the most critical things that we can do to help support the, the Lightning Network and help it grow. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, basically, it's just hopping from node to node and taking like the the fastest route to get to that um, to the endpoint, correct? Yeah, and so you can actually um, you can do some customization around that. So you can say, "I want to take the fastest route possible," or you can say, "I want to take the cheapest route possible," because each node can set fees that it wants to charge for routing through so for example if i if i want to charge um 10 satoshis which is a, a denomination of bitcoin and you're charging one satoshi somebody who is connected to both of us may route through you instead because you're going to cost them less money to make this payment so that's something that you can customize when you are are setting up your node and that just allows you to to choose do you want to go with the fastest route or the cheapest route or something in the middle. If so, if you're running one of these nodes and you have a, and you're connected on a channel with somebody uh, that p other people like to use, it's relatively popular. Are you able to charge a fee 
for them to run through your node or is it just completely um, a decentralized process? No, you, you're you're actually charging them a fee. So okay. So let's say you and I are connected and you want to route through me, mm-hmm. uh, like route a payment through me to somebody else. I can charge you a fee of my choice for you to do that. But the trade-off is kind of a supply and demand thing. So if you're also connected to other people, that would provide a, a route to the, your final destination and they're cheaper than I am to route through, then your node will likely not choose to actually route through me. So it's kind of finding a balance of what do you actually, what can you get away with charging to where you make the amount of money that you're hoping to, but you're actually still having transactions routed through you right. um, at, in, in the process. So um, that's something that right now, honestly, almost everybody has extremely low fees on the Lightning Network because there isn't enough usage yet um, to really be messing around with your fees. There are some node providers that are some of the larger routing nodes on the network, like LN Big is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I know that that person or team um, adjusts the fees that it costs to route through them. And, and they actually have posted some really cool articles about talking about how much money they've made, which is not very much right now. Um, but it, it does has an analysis of here's how much fees we were charging. Here's how many transactions we routed. And, and they've done a few of these. So you can kind of look over time as they tweak different things to see what they've actually been successful with. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool to see. Um, and, and I think it'll become an, as the network grows, it'll become a bigger business to actually be routing transactions like this. Um, so yeah, that that's something that that will come in the future, I think, but will be pretty cool when it does. Yeah, I could definitely see a lot of people that are in mining and they're in staking jump ship to a degree to do something like this, especially if they had a bunch of nodes and they were reliable enough and had them all connected and they had a valuable... Uh, pathways for someone to use like it seems like a really interesting way for someone to make extra cash while also supporting the network and obviously lightning network's growing pretty fast as it is already and it's really scalable too for bitcoin like do you know how many transactions per second that you can get up to with bitcoin using the lightning network i don't i mean it's a lot because essentially um with the way without going like too deep into Mm -hmm. it the way that lightning payments work is they're nearly instant. Um, and they, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Like I've had it take 30 seconds or a minute before for it to find a route. But if it finds a route quickly, which it does most of the time, it's less than five seconds for the payment to be completed. And so if you think about over time as that network grows, Um, and more nodes are on the network, more people are using it. Since all of these payment channels don't rely on each other uh, in order to confirm a payment, you can have a huge amount of of payments per minute or second or whatever metric you want to judge it by um, purely because of of how the network is built. Um, And the reason that is different than Bitcoin is for Bitcoin, there's you know, one um, block being processed 
every 10 minutes and that block has a limited number of transactions in it. But like I said, with each of these payment channels, since they are all separate from each other and just between two parties, there can be you know, a limitless number of, of transactions happening at the same time. Yeah, it, it sounds like a complete game changer from everything I've heard and from what you're talking about with with Bitcoin. It definitely like elevates like Bitcoin's game in terms of how it can compete with um, legacy payment uh, methods and even the current ones we have in crypto as well. So it's yeah, that, that's all really really cool. Let's go ahead and pivot though to um, to Keymaster. I know that's something you guys want to talk about a bit more. What is Keymaster exactly? Yeah, so Keymaster is a it's similar to like a, a Bitcoin wallet that you would have on your phone. Um, but we like to say that it's a key manager or than a wallet. And really what it allows you to do is it gives you an easy way to use multi-sig to store your Bitcoin. So um, what multi-sig means is that in order to send a transaction from um, your Bitcoin key set, you need to approve it from multiple different devices. So like in a normal Bitcoin wallet, for example, let's say I'm using um, bread wallet mm-hmm. on my phone. When I want to send a transaction, I just say in the phone, I just tap it and say, send to this person. And then it goes. So if somebody were to steal your phone and have access to your pin, or maybe you don't even have a pin on there, um, they can easily steal your Bitcoin. With Keymaster, whenever you go to send a transaction, we actually, so let's say you're using our, our key shield, which is three our three of five multi-sig. That means you have five total keys and to send a transaction, you have to sign it with at least three of those keys. So, one, each of those keys is a different device. So one of them is held on your phone. Three of them are held on a mix of treasures and ledgers. And then one is held by CASA as an emergency key. So I'm going to send a transaction from my, my key shield wallet and I sign it with my mobile phone first. And then I'm going to get an email that says, hey, please sign with your second device. So I'll plug in my Trezor to my computer and use our uh, nice web UI that's really easy. You just press a couple buttons, um, approve it on your Trezor, and then it's signed. And so what? then you would do it with one more device after that. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to spread these devices out to different locations. So let's say you're keeping one, you have your mobile phone with you, and then maybe you keep one device at your house and one at your office and then one in a bank safe. So if somebody were to try and steal uh, steal your phone or attack you in person and try and force you to send Bitcoin to them, they would actually have to take you to multiple different locations in order to have you approve that transaction, which significantly increases the, the risk for them as an attacker to the point where we think it it makes it basically impossible for them to force you to send them funds. So that's the main idea behind Keymaster is that it's a much more secure way of 
storing your Bitcoin long-term. So we like to think of it like a, a savings account for your Bitcoin. And then maybe you have a checking account too, which is just your just your single signature mobile key that's also available in the app. And that's for the funds that you may want to send, you know, a couple times a week or or you just want to have ready to make a payment, that kind of thing. So uh, that was that was really the the idea behind Keymaster and and what we what we set out to build with it. And it's the other idea behind it was that we wanted to get rid of seed phrases. And so we think seed phrases are are one of the biggest barriers to adoption of Bitcoin that exist, period. Because when you set up your Bitcoin wallet, if you don't if you aren't familiar with Bitcoin, you're suddenly given these 24 words that you got to write down and keep safe somewhere. And you're not supposed to put it in a password manager or in a document on your computer. You're supposed to write it on a piece of paper and make sure that doesn't get lost. And the amount of Bitcoin that has been lost due to losing a seed phrase that was on a piece of paper is crazy. I think it's, you know, it's in the millions of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. not millions of dollars, but millions of Bitcoins. And so when people can't even keep track of the password to their email, how are they going to keep track of this huge uh, 24 word seed phrase? So with Keymaster, we actually tell people you do not need to keep the seed phrases because let's say you lose one of your devices, you lose one of your treasures. That's part of your, your multi-sig. If you were just using that treasure, what you would have to do is get your seed phrase out, get a new treasure and restore the, the wallet using that seed phrase with keymaster what you do is instead of restoring that key you actually just swap it out for a new one and then lose use the other keys in in that key set to um, transfer the funds to the newly uh, newly whole wallet uh, or key set that you that you just made by swapping in a new device so that completely eliminates seed phrases for people. And we think that that is a big step forward in usability for the ecosystem as a whole. Yeah, I mean, Keymaster definitely seems like something that's very innovative. Um, and there's obviously a lot going on in the space regarding multi-sig because it does, definitely offers a lot of um, advantages and some disadvantages in some scenarios. Um, but it's far better than seed phrases. Like I've, I've had some awful stories with seed phrases. Um, like I had a ledger at one point where I didn't have a lot, a lot of money on the ledger, but I had some and I was trying to access it and I locked myself out cause I couldn't remember the pin for whatever reason, or I, I put in the pin wrong too many times. And then I had to right. get the, the seed phrase out and I discovered that my seed phrase was wrong <laughs> and uh, I had to, oh, yeah. I had to go through and figure out what words were the most likely that I spelled wrong. And then I had to guess. Luckily, I guessed one of the words right and was able to get back into it, but it freaks you out. Like, especially when you're trying to oh, put yeah. it all on paper. Yeah. You got really lucky there. <laughs> <laughs> and with Ledger, the one I love Ledger, they're a fantastic company, but the one thing I hate the most is the fact that I have to write down my seed phrase and human error right. is responsible for the fact that technology is so damn slow and so damn bad sometimes 
human error ruins all kinds of things. Why am I having to write it down? Like it, it should be something that is just printed off or we should have a better process. Um, the whole thing scares the crap yeah. out of me sometimes. It is, it is very scary. And, and that's one of the things that we were, we were thinking about when we were first creating Keymaster was people are terrified, especially people that have a large amount of Bitcoin are terrified of, oh my God, if I lose this seed phrase and then something happens or I forget my pin, um, all that Bitcoin is just lost forever. And so we really set out to build something that completely eliminated those seed phrases so that, you know, when you're setting up your Trezor to use or your ledger to use with Keymaster, you literally click through the seed phrase and um, sometimes you have to write it down because like Ledger, for example, makes you uh, confirm what it was. But then we tell people, don't even keep the piece of paper, burn it up um, because it's just a, an attack vector at that point because you you do not need it with, with multi-sig. So that's something that, that I think a lot of people um, appreciate after they hear about it, but maybe they don't first realize it when they when they think about multi-sig and how it can benefit their their personal bitcoin security and multi-sig is interesting because um it's it's not that one person can have more security over uh their their address um and their funds but you could also have split ownership in some cases um maybe for the benefit of a company or something that has yep, definitely um, ownership breakdown or a corporate board or something like that. And they're splitting control of certain assets or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen some of our customers that are um, teams mm -hmm. at maybe crypto funds using this. Um, we've seen some of our customers that split their keys among their family members. Um, so there's quite a few different ways that you can uh, use it. And we, We've, we're actually working on a team signing feature that makes it really easy for you to use it with a team and have um, different people that are owning the different keys. And so that's going to be something that I think will be will be really cool to to make it easier for teams to store their Bitcoin and also to have a little bit of governance built in around sending um, payments whenever they need to to do that, just to make sure that it's not just one person who has that control. Have you guys looked at uh, the potential legality of having um, split ownership through something like Keymaster, where it, it doesn't happen very often usually, but where you have maybe an address controlled by two different people, one of those people, uh, individuals does something they shouldn't be doing, and they get in trouble. And then you have some court demanding that funds be released, but the other person who also owns the address or the wallet doesn't do anything wrong. Um, and then assuming CASA has like an emergency key, how would they respond to that? Like, is, is that something you guys have like kind of looked into as it can get probably, as it will probably get more complicated in the future, like from a legal perspective, at least. Yeah. So we've thought about that and um, basically the, so Good thing about the CASA key is that it's only one of the five keys. So they would need two other keys signing in order to do anything with the funds. Mm -hmm. And we we really 
so that kind of takes away our ability to to control anybody's funds completely and so then the as far as the you know in a court action where somebody has to has been ordered to move their funds i mean the idea bit behind this being a secure um, non-custodial system is that nobody can really force you to move the funds if you don't want to and so if they have somebody else on there who owns or holds um, some of their keys to their wallet unless the government can figure out how to force all of those people to approve a transaction where they're trying to seize funds it's not going to happen and so um we think that that i mean that's that's one of the the core principles of bitcoin is that you know if you own your own keys and you're managing your own keys your bitcoin is not seizable through some government action unless they come and physically like interfere with your you know, set up or whatever. So they have to come actually interact with you in person. Um, whereas with the banking system, for example, the government can send an order to JP Morgan Chase that says freeze all of this person's cash in their account. And that's it. It's done. You can't access it. So that's something that I, I think we, we have thought about it. And the nice thing is that with the way the system is set up, it's something that doesn't have a ton of legal liability falling back on CASA or legal risk falling on some of our users. Yeah, well, Keymaster is awesome, regardless of whether it generates legal issues in the future or not. It definitely provides awesome solution, great alternative to, to seed phrases and to better security for your funds and whatnot. And um, so, yeah, definitely looking to keep a close eye on Keymaster. Um, and I know before the podcast, you also mentioned uh, something called Sats app, and I'm I'm not sure if I've seen it or not before. But um, w- what is Sats app? Yeah, so Sats app is a a really new product that we just released, and um, we announced it a few weeks ago, and it's been in a, a semi-private beta that you can apply for um, online just by filling out a form, and then we'll send you an invite in one of our invite waves. So basically what SatsApp is, is a um, way to control your CASA node from your phone from anywhere. So this is actually a surprisingly difficult networking problem as far as securely allowing people to control a device and connect to a device that is inside their home network from outside their home network. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we actually used the Tor network, which has encryption built into it by default to make it really easy for people to um, connect and control their node without giving away um, information like their password or their payments, anything like that to um, the open internet. And so the SATS app is a way to use Lightning on the go. And then the second part of it is um, SATS back rewards, which are something that we haven't quite given out a lot of info about. But um, essentially what it'll be is is the ability to earn rewards and um, get paid for supporting the Bitcoin network and for using... Um, 
lightning to make payments in general. And so there isn't a whole lot more I can say about that, except for that the first method for earning sats back that we'll be um, releasing is that you can earn 20,000 um, sats back points, which can be, if you want, converted into actual sats for just for connecting your node to the sats app. So that's um, that's sats app kind of in a nutshell. And we're really excited about it. It's it's a really easy way for, for people to be using their node and eventually um, to be just making Bitcoin and Lightning payments in general. It's um, like if you've ever used the Cash app, mm-hmm. that was a lot of, we, we took a lot of inspiration from the Cash app for this, where it's just super easy to send payments to friends um, using the app. So yeah, it's something that we we just released and, and we're excited about. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I, I think the only thing I'd worry about is like someone getting in the middle um, when you're trying to connect from your Sats app to like your home network where your Costa node is. Well, so that's the that's the beauty of using Tor mm-hmm. because with the way that Tor is built, um, it has layers of encryption. So it's actually kind of similar to the Lightning Network in that you there's tor nodes and you hop through different tor nodes to connect to um to your node your lightning node casa node at the end and it's called it's tor actually stands for the onion relay network i believe Mm -hmm. and it's it's uh compared to an onion because at each hop that it's doing in the network it adds a new layer of encryption and so the very first person that you're connecting with doesn't even know like what you are sending out to the network because you've added your layer of encryption on it. And then they add another layer of encryption, which gets passed on to the next person. And so the it's actually very hard to man-in-the-middle attack it because of the way that the Tor network is built. And that's why we wanted to use Tor to allow people to connect to their nodes remotely. Okay, yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, would the Sats app be able to connect to other Casa nodes that might be closer by than your own home network? No. So the the way that it works is that each node gets its own, each Casa node gets its own um, individual Tor onion address okay okay and a tor onion address is like a big uh it's a big string of numbers and letters that is impossible to guess basically and so the what we let you do is you have to uh enter that into the sats app in order to connect to your node and so it's basically impossible to guess in somebody else's onion address for their node Mm -hmm. um and so you really, there, there's not any opportunity for you to connect to like a node that's closer to you or anything like that. But we try to make it easy for people to enter their their onion address. You can just scan a QR code on your Casa node interface, and then it automatically does all the work for you in the in the background. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of why Tor was an interesting use case for this. That really, I don't think has been has been done before around this specific type of interaction between a phone and a node. 
Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Um, or have you guys launched that yet or is it still kind of being developed? So we've launched a beta version of it okay. and you, you can apply for the beta. Um, if you just go to our Twitter, we've been uh, tweeting about it. And then we started a a new Twitter handle for under uh, Sats app, I believe. I can check that. Yeah, we started a new Twitter handle under at Sats app. And so you can check that out. And we have the uh, blog posts linked on there that was announcing it. And, and we also have the beta sign up form. And so once you sign up for the beta, um, it's best used right now if you actually have a CASA node. But uh, once you sign up for the beta, we can, we'll send you an invite and we're good to go from there. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. So before we wrap up, are there anything, or is there anything that you wanted to talk about or bring up that you guys are doing at Casa, or do you guys have any roadmap updates that people should be aware of, um, or any or anything important going on? Yeah, so I think the most interesting things coming up are around um, right now around the Sats app, just working on some of those Sats back rewards that we're going to be announcing in the next week or two. Um, and there's some, there's some really cool stuff that we're doing there that I'm, I'm very excited to, to announce. Um, and I think just in general, what I would say about Casa is that, um, we're really trying to build a business that gives people the tools to be, um, sovereign and secure with Bitcoin and with other aspects of their life. Um, and so I think that, you know, people who are looking for that in a, a way that is easy to use and intuitive and well-designed and, and then well-made on the engineering side would be really interested in, in checking out some of our, our products like the, like the node or like Keymaster. And so um, our website's www.keys.casa and yeah, we, we've got a lot of info on there that for people to check out. So I think that's it. Awesome. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing at Casa. And you guys are going to do a lot of good for a lot of people and obviously for Bitcoin and helping it grow and scale and um, get more attention, making it easier for users. Um, so yeah, I love what you guys are doing. And Nick, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, see ya.